wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. society focuses so much on birth that we often forget about the sacred healing time postpartum that honors postpartum bodies and includes your sexuality. I remember when I was pregnant as a young woman with my first son, I focused all my energy and attention on how this growing baby inside of me was getting bigger and bigger and thinking, how is it going to come out? But I totally forgot to prepare for my recovery, for intimacy and honoring my post-birth body. So today, my guest is joining us from New Zealand to share her wisdom about the internal pelvic work after birth and offering her great insights to resuming lovemaking after birth. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth podcast. My guest today is Claire Eccleston. She's a mama and a grandmother, experienced home birth midwife and midwifery educator. Claire is a spinning babies approved trainer, sharing the physiology before force approach around the world. Claire is passionate about the ancient arts of birth support, and she began her journey with birth from a body woke work approach. She's now a stream, and I have to say I didn't know what this was, so I'm going to say it out for all of you too, a scar tissue remediation education and management practitioner working mostly with the pelvis and post-birth bodies and also a cranial sacral therapist. Claire's work is moving into the realms of sexuality and birth and where they meet. She works with individuals and couples face-to-face on online. Claire offers some really beautiful online courses too. I'll say a few, but she'll tell you more about them at the end. Home Suite, Building Confidence in Home Birth, Holy Ground Blossoming for Pregnancy, and Holy Ground Harvest for post birth, both have gentle practical support for the preparation and healing of vaginas for birth. Claire is a wild dancer who exhilarates in the beauty, the messiness, and the power of her wild woman body. Welcome, Claire. I'm just so honored to have you with us today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And I have to say, like, we asked what would be the title for today? And for those of you that are like, oh, I'm wondering what we're talking about. You're going to talk to us of, oh, baby, lovemaking after birth. But before you get into that, you wrote to me that your mother was a midwife. And like that always touches my heart, how that passes down. And you were drawn to the mystery and practicality of birth, the power of of the unexpected and how you're curious about why there's so much silence around women's vaginas before and after birth. Silence around the power and the capacity of our sexuality and the capacity of our bodies and sexuality to connect us to the reverence of life. I'm so touched by your words that you wrote. Can you talk more about this? 
Mm. Well, I suppose I can talk from my own body. And I know, you know, like, and uh, to acknowledge the work of Jane Harwick Collins and that, you know, our woman's bodies or with bodies with vulvas, bodies with wombs offer us these rites of passage, our menarche, our lovemaking, our birth, how we were born. And I know when I gave birth, I felt like initiated into the volcanic force of life, like a volcanic force of life was moving through me. And I felt so much power. And then within my sexuality, within my womb, I feel so much power and um, and so much power in my capacity for pleasure. And I think when we look at how much industry, how much money, how much shame, how much effort is extended into uh, silencing women from their power, I mean, if that much energy is extended, like if you look at the beauty industry, or if you look at feminine hygiene products or how we're meant to dress, if that much energy is extended into separating us from our power, I figure there's a lot of power there that's um, that's held. That's held. We've got a lot of power to access through the portal of our bodies and through our reproductive capacity, but more than that, through uh, the capacity of our pleasure, through our pelvises, through our wombs, through our vulvas. So I feel like, wake up you know that message for everyone wake up it's there it's so good you can access it and even if it's a whisper you know what are the ways that we find our way back to and away from our bodies as burdens or our bodies as shameful and what's the pathway back to my body is this really powerful conduit for a life force, for pleasure, for potency. My body is uh, divinity as, as flesh, as solidness. So beautiful. I love how you express that. And, and I love how you say, you know, you're bringing that birth and sexuality together. And I share that with you, right? So often, as you say, there's been so much to put up people down and not allow women to step into their full power and not to make that connection between sexuality and birth. So what are some of the ways that you bring that together or you guide some of your clients? Yeah. So there's, if we look at perhaps birthing first and then postnatal, I think it's so curious that if someone is planning a vaginal birth, you know, the vagina then is quite a big part of the birth. You know, like if you're planning a vaginal birth, the baby's going to come out your vagina. Your vagina has a role to play. And yet I see so little discussion around how do we support and prepare physically? How do we prepare and be in connection with our vulvas, with our vaginas leading up to birth? And, you know, I I can see that as a reflection of our culture. We prepare by, you know, our our mindset or using breathing, but we're not going to give birth with our minds. We're going to give birth with our vulvas, with our vaginas. And I think it's um, to just consider perineal massage and to consider often, my, you know, the talk around perineal massage is like 36 weeks, you get in there, you stretch it. And I'm always like, oh, oh poor vulvas, poor vaginas. Like why not approach the sacred rite of passage with deep reverence to our bodies, with a deep, you know, it might be the first time in some vulva owners or women's lives that they start to actually look in the mirror at their vulva or they start to map 
sensation or they start to touch and feel. And internally, there's lots of um, sacrotuberous and sacrospinous ligaments that you can access that can allow more freedom of movement in the sacrum or they can allow more freedom of movement in the pelvic floor. And the pelvic floor actually doesn't come into play in birth just as the baby's head is crowning. It comes up higher when the baby's rotating in the mid-pelvis. And there's so much focus on making women's bodies be like men's bodies, like tight vaginas, tight pelvic floor. But actually, you know, what we need to be talking more about is how do we learn to soften into our pelvic floor? And it's it's not really a floor, right? It's a diaphragm. How do we learn to soften into our vulvas into our vaginas how do we learn to a connect physically with tactile with breath and how to soften because if you're going to give them a vaginal birth your vagina is a big part of that and there's a lot you can do just with touch and breath I think vulvas my experience vulvas and vaginas are so responsive to reverent and respectful care and touch And then after birth, it can be the same. It's how do we reconnect? And I found a lot of the time it's like almost holding people's hands to look in the mirror uh, at a cesarean scar or at a vaginal scar or working with them to start touching the area again or working with them as they grieve if there's been transgressions or pain or things they didn't want after birth. And there's, again, I think the silence that we give birth and then we expect to just get back into lovemaking where sometimes there's a lot of stories held in the the vulva and the vagina and we're trying to make love and all those stories want to be shared. And sometimes as a couple, we don't have that capacity to hold that or it's like after birth, you need to meet yourself as virginal, as new, because you are, you have gone through a massive transformation. And I'd love to see the bringing back of rites of passage around reclamation and re-meeting our bodies and our vulvas and our vaginas and our sexuality post-birth. Yeah, so special to hear you say that. How can people that are listening that might be expecting or maybe just had a baby, what are some ways they can put this into practice? How can they start maybe examples of a rite of passage or ways they can honor that body and bring that healing and intimacy? I think firstly, just starting so simply and just starting with connection. So if you haven't looked at your vulva in the mirror, have a look. Like, and, and even that, I know some people listening that might even put butterflies in their tummy, but just to have a look, like why is your vulva any less holy or functional or holy, <laughs> any less sacred or functional <laughs> than your eyes or your breasts? So firstly, have a look in the mirror and breathe as you look. What comes, uh, you know, what comes up for you as you start to connect with this part of your body? And you don't need to do this with a partner. This is your body. You could, but you can do it yourself. And so first would be looking, or if that feels too much, starting with touch. What's it like to touch your your vulva, um, the outer lips, the inner lips, the internal space, the perineal space, the anus? What comes up for you as you start just gentle exploration with touch? And it might be really curious. There might be a sense of I can or I can't or shame or joy or ickiness. 
And then starting with breath. So what happens when you touch and you send some slow, gentle, welcoming breaths to the area um, and then noticing what happens with different sensations and that's before or after birth and that's really accessible, simple things to do. And I know it sounds simple, but for some people it won't feel simple. Those are big things, I think, for a lot of people, right? So many people don't take the time to really look and and honor their vulva and their vagina. Now, for some people, birth may have taken a different path. And we were just talking before, right? Some babies um, need that gentle cesarean birth. What about if there is any scar tissue? I know that you have you do a lot of work around um, how we can help heal on all levels. Um, especially to prepare for lovemaking. Yeah, and maybe I talk a little bit of the, the anatomy, how scar tissue can affect our anatomy and then simple things we can do. Sure. Even if, if you've had a cesarean birth, there's some big round ligaments and they, it doesn't matter if you don't know the terms, just a basic, basic to know. There's a, some beautiful ligaments that go from our womb down into our vulva the round ligaments. And when the vulva gets engorged with lovemaking, these round ligaments contract and they pull the womb forward, which lifts up the cervix and the vaginal canal so that when you're making love, the vaginal canal is longer. So if you're putting something inside it, it doesn't bang the cervix. And sometimes pain with lovemaking can be because whatever's inside the vagina is banging your cervix. So even after cesarean birth, sometimes there can be pain with lovemaking if the scar tissue of the cesarean um, creates sort of stickiness or a lack of movement in the round ligaments. And then for people with vulvas, they, if they've had a vaginal birth, the scar tissue can be A, we need engorgement in the tissue so there needs to be good blood flow in the vulva to then make lubrication that's physiologically how lubrication happens and so if there's scar tissue impeding blood flow that can impede lubrication so you can be more dry a because of breastfeeding hormones or b because you're not turned on or c because of their scar tissue or just the mechanics of the scar tissue can themselves can either expose more nerve endings or deaden nerve endings or make it tender. And so either with cesarean or vaginal scars, from about eight to 10 weeks post-birth, working with castor oil, because castor oil has some uh, qualities that help the scar tissue break up. So working with topical application. And I'm always like, you know, I know mamas are busy, it's even a thing like after the shower, just for one or two minutes, starting with a cesarean scar, starting with some castor oil, massage and touch and application. Because one of the things with scar tissue, it can stop mobility in the tissues. So when we invite touch and massage, that's inviting mobility into the tissue. And even if it's a vaginal birth, working with scar tissue, say a couple of minutes after a shower, that's the simplest way to start with some loving touch and some massage and it helps the scar tissue be um, uh, flexible and it helps it to uh, sometimes scar tissue can get thicker and denser 
uh, into surrounding tissues because the body's trying to provide support structures. So when you've let the scar initially form and then you start working with the castor oil, it stops the scar tissue getting really thick and holding up movement of organs and ligaments and tissues or tissues in the vulva and vagina. This is so helpful because I think so often people have discomfort or worry that they know they have scar tissue. And why are we not talking about this and helping people understand the changes in their bodies and that it may be something that happens, but they don't have to persist with it? Absolutely. And I've supported women who've had cesareans 15 years ago or 20 years ago or or episiotomies or uh, tears in birth. And what can happen with scar tissue, to reference the work of Anna Crow, who's an amazing physiotherapist, often we think about prolapse and incontinence as, you know, this, this thing around women's bodies being too weak or, or my, my uterus fell down or my, everything's falling and rarely do organs fall. But what can happen is that scar tissue, if it gets thicker, it can pull organs out of shape or it can limit the organs' mobility, so bladder and womb, so there can be more uh, incontinence. Or with cesarean scar tissue, it can affect the mobility and the movement of the bowel, so there can be things like um, increased constipation or increased um, urinary uh, discomforts. So even if you're 10 years after birth or 15 years after birth working internally in the vagina with scar tissue or externally with cesarean scar tissue, sometimes it's just a really simple sort of fascial release that then allows more movement of organs so they they sit in a more comfortable position and they come back because the bladder, the uterus, the bowel, they need to move all the time. And when they're mobility is limited their function is affected so no matter how far you are down the track after birth working with scar tissue can really help aid comfort prolapse incontinence love making issues it has a lot of impacts and I agree we just don't talk about it yeah we really don't and and I wasn't even thinking that far out so it's so good to hear because so often people think long-term after birth that they just have, you know, they're like you say, things are falling out or their body's not functioning well. So wonderful to hear that healing is possible at all different points. But how special for those of you that are expecting are in that postpartum period to really open to this idea and, and look into it. Now, I know that you do a lot of work and we share that passion to help people to regain that intimacy and sexuality after having a baby. What other tips would you give to someone that may be either on that journey or beginning that path to really increase that love and intimacy that they so desire and deserve as they're bringing a new one into the world? Mm, Good question. I wonder, you know, sometimes we don't talk about as a couple what our plan for intimacy might be after the birth and setting those expectations that it actually really might take a long time for some people to be ready for intimacy. And that's for the birth giver, but also sometimes for a partner, if they've got vicarious trauma around watching whatever happened to their 
to the, the woman, the birth giver's body, it might take them a little while too. And I think as a couple having a bit of a plan to meet it's like meeting as a virgin again. You have to start from the very beginning. And often if, if mothers are tired, you know, if someone feels hassled for sex, they're just usually the doors go down pretty quickly. So it's starting from the very beginning and like making a plan, this intimacy plan. And the plan might be the first week around connection. So that week you're just looking in each other's eyes or sharing kind words. The second week might be about really gentle touch and actually communicating how we like touch or how we don't like touch. And then the third week might be about exploring kissing, just as you would as you're starting to, well, some people don't approach their first love making like this, but just so gently, so gently, gently, because your body is new, you are different. And I imagine it could really help if someone actually starts to explore self-pleasure. And self-pleasure might be like getting into bed at night or it might be just gently touching your face or rubbing some oil on your breasts. So exploring self-pleasure initially. And then this slow, gentle process, intimacy, touch, kissing, and then you might negotiate or navigate how would touching the breasts feel or how would touching the belly feel? And to do it really with awareness with, okay, we make some time now, the baby's asleep, let's just touch my belly, I'll breathe. Because sometimes if there's been a story around the birth, when we meet this area of our body with reverence, with care, with presence, the body might want to share the story. There might be grief or rage or pain or disappointment or feelings of failure or feelings of joy. And to have that awareness as a couple, if you just go bang into lovemaking and all of those feelings aren't acknowledged, there can be a gradual shutdown or a pretty quick shutdown. So as a partner, if you're wanting to get back into making love with your with the woman, with a birth giver, being aware that your presence might be required, your patience, your communication and this gentle checking in and I appreciate for partners you know they may not have made love for a week or six weeks or three months or six months to for partners who might be really desperate to make love opening up the pathways of their own self-pleasure because if they come to the woman and they're like so ready and they so want it and they're getting so frustrated and and the woman is feeling delicate and touched out from breastfeeding and it's just there's a mismatch right there so taking responsibility firstly for self-pleasuring so then we meet when we meet we're not coming so hungry for each other and then going ever so slowly so touching the belly and then it might be just a time when you touch the vulva and there's talk and there's breath and then there might be internal touch and then the next week might be well what's it like if we make love and some people might need to go quickly and some people might need to go slowly but setting the premise of going slowly and the reverence of meeting yourselves as virginal. That is beautifully said. I like that reverence of meeting yourself as virginal. And thank you so much, Claire, for taking us through and so many tangible ways that people can communicate. And I like the idea we do birth plans, right? 
But to have that intimacy plan is just so beautiful. I can just feel it in my heart. And I so wish that someone had told me this when I was pregnant, because I think I struggled a lot through that postpartum without this knowledge. So for those of you that are listening, I hope that you're really getting lots of thoughts to improve that communication and create that intimacy plan. So what else would you suggest to, do you have anything else you'd like to share about that process of developing intimacy after baby? Yeah, again, I think it's really important as as an individual, you know, if you've given birth, thinking about if you are pregnant, you know, how are you going to meet your body after this experience? Because for some people after birth, the way their body feels like their, their breast dripping or the shape of their breasts or uh, if they've got stretch marks on their belly or perhaps they're holding more weight, how can you find ways to lovingly and compassionately embrace your body? And then the other thing I think we we don't consider well in our culture, we really separate sexuality and motherhood. Like there's such taboo around the erotic mother and I, I don't know, for me, I found mothering incredibly erotic to, to feel so full and so dripping of milk and so fecund, so life-giving. And yet I know, particularly if people come from a religious background, particularly there might be a lot of taboo around lovemaking as a mother and how can I be a sexual being when I'm a mother So looking at what our beliefs are, or even as we might map our bodies, starting to map what are my beliefs around sexuality and motherhood or pleasure and motherhood or what I deserve as a mother or my relationship as my body as a mother, does my body belong to my baby? Or through the act of self-pleasure, can I reclaim my body as my body belongs to me, that I gift in service to my baby, which is two different it's a subtle change, but a different change. So exploring those two things, how we're going to compassionately embrace our post-birth bodies, particularly if they feel broken, some people do, and how do we make that connection between erotic motherhood? How do we explore the taboo of erotic motherhood? Because there's a lot of power in that as well. A lot of power. And I share with you that too. So I know that people that are listening are probably saying, oh, Claire, how can we find you? Where can you share kind of, I know you have a few courses that are available and websites and social media. Mm, Thank you. So my website is uh, midwife.com. And I have an online school, it's like a school called Womb Rhythms. So if you Google Womb Rhythms Teachable, and that's got my online courses that you can take at any time. And then in 2023, I'll do them as uh, closed containers. So we'll journey together on Zoom. And I just did a, did a beautiful one with some post-birth mamas where we work together looking in our vulva, at our vulva. You know, they can turn their camera off, so it's very private. Touching the vulva, exploring pleasure. And Home Sweet Home Birth is on there. And I'll have one called Love Making After Birth, which is coming. And then on Instagram, I'm at Claire Home Birth, and I have lots of little educational reels that I do. And on Facebook, I'm Claire Eccleston. 
Thank you so much, Claire. It is truly an honor and pleasure to spend this time with you. And I know that I took so many nuggets away. And for all of you that are listening, we'd love to have you share, put on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you are on social. What was your nugget that you're going to take forward into your birth or to your postpartum and tag us? Um, We always love hearing from you. So thank you so much, Claire. Truly a pleasure. And for everyone listening, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode of the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe. Mm -hmm.